He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be saved. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you once again for joining with today's program. We are in the book of 1 Peter. We're in the second chapter. We are talking about the last days. We're talking about a lot of things, really, this week of submitting ourselves to authorities, but not in an ungodly way, in a godly way. And that is very important that we should make sure that God remains a part of our submission to authorities, that we love, love one another, and that we submit to the authorities that God has placed over us. And so that, that's a very important part of our Christianity. And in today, really, well, I, maybe not today. It may, may take until tomorrow. We're gonna, going to get into um, some conversation that might change some people's thinking or that might um, get some people angry. Actually, if you look at the, the, the issue of slavery these days, comes up and makes a lot of people angry, and maybe rightly so to some degree, but the, the irony is is that slaves, especially in America, has not been around for centuries, and um, none of my family owned slaves. In fact, we were probably some of the slaves, I'm not real sure, but um, we, you know, I, my, none of my family owned slaves, I, I really don't have anything to do with that. But the, the Bible actually becomes specific on slavery that we're going to actually talk about in uh, either this session or, or tomorrow. So we'll see how far we get. First, we're going to look at verse 17 of First Peter, the second chapter. Show proper respect to everyone. Now, proper respect to everyone does not mean necessarily that we are to hang out with them, that we are to uh, agree with them, that we are to to uh, go along with their way of thinking. Showing proper respect means that we do not come physically against them, that we do not get um, get all up in arms about something that is said just because they believe different than us. The Bible is specific to those who call themselves Christians and yet do not do what Christ has told them to do. The Bible's very specific. Don't, you're not even supposed to eat with those people. Right? Really, the bottom line is you're not supposed to associate with that type of quote-unquote believer. Uh, and I'm going to read to you in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. It says in uh, verse number 9, I have written you in my letters to not associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy, or swindlers, or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. Do you see what I'm saying? Paul, or what I, what Paul is saying, I'm reading you the scripture, that we are to respect others, and he's saying, don't have anything to do with the sexually immoral. He said, but I'm not talking about the people of the world. He says, I'm talking about, if you continue in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 5.11, it says, but now I am writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler, with such a man do not even eat. And, of course, we talked about this uh, a few 
weeks ago or a few few lessons ago, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. So that ties into this scripture of that Peter is talking about, that we should uh, uh, show proper respect to others who do not know Jesus Christ is what he's talking about. Show them respect. And in fact, it even says that we can associate with those sexually immoral and those of other religions. Why? So that we can give them the gospel. All right, there's a reason. You're not going to just do it so you can agree with them. You're not supposed to sit around and say, okay, I agree with what you're doing. And, and that kind of thing. That's not what I'm talking. It's not that that's where the world gets judged, not lest you be judged. So you can all sit in one little group and say, Oh, well, what you're doing is okay. And what I'm doing is okay. And what they're doing is okay. No, that's not what the word says. The word says that we are to give the gospel and give the truth. But what we are not to do is to those who call themselves brothers. They, on the other hand, they don't have the right to believe just anything. Those people who are being deceived by Satan, with, for lack of a better term, they have the right to believe what they want, but it is our job to talk to them and give them the gospel to show them even though they have the right, they really should choose God or else they're going to choose the right to live with Satan for, throughout eternity, which is a place called hell. And they don't want to be in that place. They want to be in the place where God lives. So we are to associate with the world. Paul was very specific. He said, no, if I told you not to to uh, deal with the, the sexually immoral or all those people, I'd, you'd have to get out of the world altogether. And, of course, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be salt. We're called to, to get in and salt up the earth and give the truth. Brother Ron Stortle is in the studio with us today. And, uh, of course, Brother Ron, we're, we're, you know that we're discussing show respect to each other. And, and that's including all aspects. Now, we're about to get into the other half of this scripture, which is going to get a, a little bit deeper. But, uh, but tell us about show respect and, and what, how, how it's meant to you. In your life, how do you do that? You know, you're walk, we're walking in this world, and but yet we don't believe. You know, we talked yesterday, I believe it was, about Halloween, or maybe it was the, the day before. I don't agree with Halloween, but I'm going to show those respect who do. Now, calmly, I'm going to still tell them, look, I believe you're worshiping Satan here. That This is a, a holiday that is worshiping Satan. Uh, but I'm going to still, I'm not going to get in a fight over that because it's not worth fighting for because Satan is not worth fighting for. God is. God is worth standing up for and giving his word. And then, of course, the irony of that is when you give the word, then God does the fighting for you. Yeah, and since you mentioned Halloween, a simple way to look at this is you show respect for people as people. You don't degrade people. You don't demoralize them. You don't embarrass them, uh, a situation like Halloween. It would be one thing to tell people, I don't support Halloween. According to scripture, it's sin to participate in it. It's another thing to go out on the street with a big old picket sign, walking behind someone saying, you're a sinner because you're doing this. That That's not showing respect. If they want to do something respect them as an individual and here in america as their constitutional right that they can go out and do that 
It doesn't mean you have to embarrass them while they're doing it, but you can still address it with them. Talk to them one-on-one. If they ask you about why you're not doing it, you can address it with them. But the problem I would have is somebody getting out there specifically trying to embarrass people just to make a statement that you don't agree with what they're doing. And and that goes to the respect issue. You know, for years, we have been a polite people. We have shown respect. In fact, I used to travel to um, um, Europe a lot, and I mainly Sweden, but a lot of other countries as well. But my main base of operation was in Sweden. And I heard more than one Swede talk about how polite Americans are, that they would even, sometimes they would even uh, rebuke some of their friends who might say something to me because they would say that's not proper to say to him because they are a polite people. Well, unfortunately, and what that really means is we have been respectful of others. In, in the in the history of America, we have been respectful of others. Well, I don't think that can be, be said any longer. I think America has now become a nation of people who do not care what anybody else says, including their neighbor. And so they're no longer respecting their neighbor, their neighbor's right to fly the flag or not fly the flag. Um, you know, you can get into that part. Look, if America love it or leave it, or you can do any of that other kind of thing. But the, the, what the word says is that we are to respect each other. And America has done that because we were a Christian nation. Now, I know I've on this program I've said, and I still believe in my heart that we are a Christian nation because we were founded on Christian principles, because our Constitution was set up on Christian principles, because by and large we purport the Bible. But really, we're not a Christian nation because we will not stand up for God, and most of our leadership no longer stands up for God. So it's kind of that we're in that flux. And that flux, included in that flux, is that part that we're no longer respectful to each other. We're no longer care what anybody says. They have a different way of looking at things than they're just stupid, they're evil, they're wrong. Um, We have now come to that crossroad to where we are no longer. My sister said to me the other day, she said, you know, there's just no politeness in the world anymore. There's no respect for each other. And that's exactly what's happening because we have allowed Satan now to take over our leadership, to take over our country on a large way in the name of getting along, allowing satanic statues to be put up. Instead of standing on the word of God, uh, we no longer respect each other. Well, I think I have the perfect answer for you on the stage that America is at right now with our spirituality. And this was said by Alexander Tyler in 1787. He said a democracy or a republic, we can put that in there too, is always temporary in nature. It simply cannot exist as a permanent form of government. A democracy will continue to exist up until the time that voters discover they can vote themselves generous gifts from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates who promise the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that every democracy will finally collapse due to loose fiscal policy, which is always followed by dictatorship. Now, here is where it really gets into this, the spiritual side of it. 
The average age of the world's greatest civilizations from the beginning of history has been about 200 years. During those 200 years, these nations always progress through the following sequence. From bondage to spiritual faith, which we saw when that America was founded. From spiritual faith to great courage. We could have seen that during the, the Revolutionary War. And the World War One and World War Two. Yes. From courage to liberty, which was probably the, the mid-range right. here in America. From liberty to abundance, America quickly became the most Absolutely. blessed and prosperous nation in the world. From abundance to complacency. Yes. I believe that was the mid-20th century. Right, when, absolutely. When we were blessed, and well, if we look at it. Just did, like we were talking about prayer in schools, nobody said a thing. Abortion, nobody said a thing. Yes. All of these things, just complacency. The 60s and 70s. From complacency to apathy. That was probably around the, the 70s and 80s. We became apathy. I don't know. I think we're in the apathy stage right now, but well, what, wait, what's wait, the next stage? Wait till you hear the next one. From apathy to dependence. Oh, wow. That is the stage. Right. I, I think we're even closer between seven and eight, but we're definitely in the dependence right. phase. Right, absolutely. When I mean, because I think uh, over for half, sure it's like 48%. It might even be 51 or 2% now are dependent on the government, the government to, to, uh, to maintain them. Yes, and the final stage that Alexander Tyler said, we go from dependence back to bondage. Right. And I believe we're at the stage of, because you said, at right around 50%, if not more, this nation is dependent on the government at some point in the near future, because we're already past that 200-year mark, America will go into bondage because they can't support the dependence of the nation. And really, I'm going to take it back to the spiritual, though. He was talking about the actual physical aspects that we've seen history. History repeating itself. America does not have to follow that path if we would turn to God again, right? And and stay and and revere God. And but we're not doing that. And uh, really, um, but he proves that the spiritual aspect is what started. Yes, the uh, the abundance yes. side. And if we recognize the spiritual again, we yes. could stay the great nation. Exactly. But we're but, we're being you know making America great again. Is a lot more than, um, in fact, there's a lot that are saying, I've even heard, well, what's only going to make great America great again is what we make America good again. Now, I, I have to take it a much further step than that because the only thing that can make America good again is turning to God and allowing him and his principles to lead the country again because God is the only good. Remember Jesus when they said, when the Pharisees and Sadducees said, good teacher, and he said, why do you call me good? He said, God is the only good. Now, the, the cool thing about that scripture, which that's a whole other story, but I want to say really quickly, Jesus was actually equating himself with God, which, of course, he was. According to John 1.1, 1, 1, he was with God and he was God. But so he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So our nation cannot turn good unless we turn to God. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that list that Alexander Tyler had is also a list of what's happened in the church throughout history here in America. America, we were founded because of the, the desire to seek God with the freedom to do it. But the church has since become apathetic and dependent 
the the churches are more concerned about their 501c3 tax that's right exemptions than they are about dropping that and relying on God. They're relying on the government to give them a tax break than for God to provide their needs. Exactly. You know, and and that really is the Christian mentality. In fact, maybe you don't give to this broadcast, to this program, because I don't have a 501c3. I don't want a 501c3. But if you're giving only to God because of your 501c3, you don't get a blessing at all. That is your blessing. Your blessing is that you get a tax deduction. You're not going to get any reward in heaven for what you're giving to God if you're only given so you can get a tax deduction. And many people, I've I've been told by some of my listeners, well, you know, you, you'd get a lot more money if you would make a 501c3 and give them a, a tax deduction. I, I don't want a 501c3. At that point, the government has control over you. And, and I want God to remain in control of this broadcast, and so I don't worry about a 501c3. God has sustained this broadcast, and I guess in some ways abundance, in some ways not. It depends on who you're talking to. Uh, it looks like it struggles a lot, but it's, it's that struggling that keeps us honoring God and keeps us uh, understanding where the blessings are coming from so the broadcast can stay on the air. Well, and I put this challenge to myself years ago, and I was amazed, knowing that I was giving with a cheerful heart, but I challenged myself one year to not label my ties and incomes when I gave them to a ministry, just to put the money in, the cash, the whatever, and not put it in an envelope, not have it recorded, because you will see, you will have a different mentality about giving if you're giving without anything attached to it, that's right. If you're giving and making sure, oh, I got to get this recorded because I need it at the end of the year. I would challenge anybody in this audience. Since we're at the almost the end of this year, next year, give your tithes and offerings without it being recorded, and see how God blesses you for giving to Him without worrying about whether it's going to be recorded or not. Most times when I give, I, I, I try to give, I don't give by check a lot of times. I give by cash because of that reason. I, I don't need to put my name on it. Even even when you go to, um, you know, when they you're at a convenience store, do you want to give a dollar to whatever, muscular dystrophy or something like that? And then they pull out the little tag and they start to write your name. And I say, I, you can put your name on there. I don't care. I don't need my name on there. I just want to, you know, I'll just give the dollar. I don't need my name on it. It doesn't matter. If you're giving out of the heart of giving, it doesn't matter the accolades you get for it now. What matters is the reward that God rewards in eternity. And so at that point, you know, I, well, I used to go to a church whenever we would have a struggle. There was a man who would stand up in church. Now, it was, he, I'm not saying anything about it, man. I would not dare say his name because I believe he was a man of God and really supported the church. And, but, you know, we would need a bus or something. And we'd need four or five thousand dollars. And he'd stand up in the church and say, I'll give that five thousand dollars. Well, unfortunately, I mean, it was great for the church. And it was great for the bus ministry or whatever. But I, I think a large portion of his rewards was received right there instead of putting five thousand dollars in the offering plate and just they just here it just comes you know he could just put it he could have put it on an envelope and just said for bus ministry no name nothing just stuck it in there so the thing is is that god wants us to give everything that we have for him not expecting the accolades that man would give to us because they don't matter and i would even be 
willing to say that if you would take a year of giving your tithes and offerings without the expectation of it being recorded, that by the end of the year, God is going to bless you more throughout the year than you would receive back from the government on your tax return. Because when you do the math on your tax return, your charitable contribution deduction is actually so minimal that you would be amazed how little you actually save. But just imagine doing it with a cheerful heart the entire year, allowing God to bless you throughout the year. I believe he will bless you more with a cheerful heart, knowing that you're not going to get accolades from the, the government or a tax exemption, than you doing it throughout the year, expecting that at the end. I think he'll bless you more. Amen. Well, I don't really know how we got into that. Actually, that, that was just one of those, I guess that was one of them rabbit, rabbit holes I'm always hearing about, rabbit trails or whatever. Uh, I don't mind that in a study. You know, it's a funny, when you're doing a study and when you're doing God's study, there's lots of little trails that will take you down so that you can gain new knowledge. And you can always come back to the, to the root of where your, what your study is. But those, I think those rabbit trails, as you, as some people call them, are, um, are, help you to gain knowledge and wisdom through the Word of God because they begin to, to, uh, to lead you and they always lead right back. And of course, this one's going to lead us right back to this because we're just showing ro- proper respect to everyone, including God. But now the next part of this scripture is love the brotherhood of believers. And you know, this is said so many times. That we are to love, and it makes you wonder why in the world do we have to continue? God is always saying in His Word to love everybody. Why is He, you know, He has He has to say that so many times to love someone, and and the reason is is because we don't do it. We don't love one another. We just love ourselves, and uh, and we want it our way or no way. When we go to a church, what do we do? What do you have for us? Instead of what can we do for the church, what do you have for us? What what can you do for us? Well, that's not showing love. That's showing love of yourself. Well, when you read uh, about love, 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Did you get that? If you don't love, then you don't know God. Those of you who run around, there are some maybe, uh, that are that are going around right now causing struggles in your church or in your organizations, your Christian organization, whatever it is, thinking that you're doing God's work, and instead you're not showing love. Maybe you're getting upset because you've lost your power in the kitchen, or you've they picked another color carpet that you wanted, or they they got chairs now instead of pews, or change any the, any what's that? Change the coffee flavor. Yeah, change the flavor of the coffee. And didn't ask you or. Who knows any number of idiotic, idiotic things and, and people run around and stir up trouble in the church. That's not showing the love of God. That's showing that you don't have a, that you have too much time on your hands and you need to get in there and get your hands dirty and do something for God. That's what it's really showing. But whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And see, that brings us to what I'm saying every week. When you decide to live with God for eternity, you're going to live with love for eternity. If you decide to follow Satan, 
then you're going to live in a place where there is no love. It will be absolutely devoid of love. And that is where the weeping and gnashing of teeth is coming because we cannot understand the disparity of having absolutely no love. We can't understand that. that that's beyond us because even the, the most wicked person on the earth I, uh, has some little bit of love in him where he cares for a dog or he cares for a wife or whatever, you know, there's, or a grandchild or something where there's some kind of love that he can feel in his life. Whereas hell is going to be absolutely no love. It will not exist in that place. So, uh, because God is love. Well, that's what this is saying. Love the brotherhood of believers. So now listen, this is two different thoughts. Verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Wham, that's one thought right there. We show proper respect to everyone and and a certain degree of love, okay? I'm not saying don't love them. That is a certain degree of love. It's a respectful love, but it's not a relational love like it is on the next thought because there's a colon here in the Bible where it really kind of gives you a second thought, the colon, and then it says, love the brotherhood of believers. So you see, it's two separate thoughts. You're supposed to respect the world and show them that, you know, respectful love. But this love it's talking about is a stronger love that we are to love all the brotherhood with a, a love of God. And in fact, First John 4, 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have that, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Maybe you've never thought about that scripture before. This is love, not that we loved God. Why? Because really we don't have the capacity for true love. We cannot, we don't know what true love is because we have to have God in order to have true love because he is love. Now, why does even the atheist have love? Why does that happen? Well, because of Acts chapter one, because God says that he has instilled into each one of us a a piece of God so that we can stand before God and he, we are without excuse so that we stand before God because he placed a piece of himself into each one of us so that when we stood, and it says right here in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. There's a piece of God placed in us, a piece of love placed within us so that we stand before God without excuse. Atheist, you are not going to be able to stand before God and say, well, I just didn't believe you. I didn't believe in you. You got to have mercy on me because I didn't believe. And God's going to say, you looked around you every day. You stood up and you took a breath of life and you never had to think about it. You went to sleep never having to think about breathing is something I gave to you freely. You knew that I existed, but yet you denied me anyway. And so at that point, that is where we do not have excuse because according to First John 4.10, this is love now that we loved God, but not that we loved God rather, but that he loved us. He put that love inside of us. 
Yeah, and I just wanted to touch on a thing that I see a lot, and it's not just with love, but it's also with another word that is used a lot in Scripture, believe. These are both active words. You can't love something or believe in something without a continuous action. Right. You can't say, well, I love you, and then I do nothing for you. Right. Love is a term which requires action to verify the term itself. And believe is the same way. If we say we believe in Jesus, it doesn't just mean that it stops at that point and you don't have to do anything to reinforce it. Love requires reinforcement to prove that you actually do. Belief or believe is the same exact thing. If we say we believe in Jesus but don't show it, then you really don't believe in him because it requires the actions to show that you actually do. So here where it says love the brotherhood, you have to prove that you love them by showing that love to them. And I see you're you're looking at a verse, Pastor. You want to jump in? Yes. I just wanted to reiterate what you're saying. It's it's amazing. You know, as we go through these studies, they kind of always lead us back to the same spot, which that's what the entire Bible does anyway. It leads us back to Jesus. It leads us back to faith. It leads us back to, to the Word is what it does. And, of course, the Word is Jesus. So in James, we've said this before, but it's uh, it's a great script. They're all great scriptures anyway. James 2.14 what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Exactly what you just said. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for the ones for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Well, that sounds like works. Well, it is works in that if you have faith, you will show your, you will show it by your works. You will follow through. You will obey. Remember Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen: Go into all the world, teaching them to obey what I have commanded. God, obedience requires works. So if you love God, then you will want to work. Well, that's all the time we have for today. This study, it's, get, it's getting long, it's getting great, it's getting exciting. Stick with us again tomorrow and we'll continue this study. Until then... I pray you receive his gospel power today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why. I was so empty deep within. But then you came to me. And let my spirit see. And you forgave me of my sin. 
Show. 